0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week, and thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to listen, uh, be a part, set your DVR. What's wonderful these days with technology is you may not have to be sitting right in front of your television when we are airing because everything we have aired to date is archived and put on YouTube for your convenience and we watch it on demand. Uh, we have a lot of churches that are, are watching some of our material on their Wednesday night services and some of that even to small study groups, and we encourage you to do that. We put all of that up there for free so that you can go back and watch the things that we have shared because I believe there are powerful teachings that I never have the opportunity to teach when I'm on the road because I don't have the consistent audience like I do via television. Uh, There is also, you say, well, I don't have time to sit and watch a video, but you could uh, listen to the audio portions of this. The audio portions are available on our iTunes podcast. They are also available as an RSS feed for your Android device so that you can redeem the time while you're traveling, headed to work, commuting, walking on a treadmill, exercising, whatever, these are great ways to hear and see the gospel. And we have made that available to you at no charge to you because our partners have made it available to you. And We thank our partners. We're deeply grateful for those who partner with us and help us to take the gospel around the world. If you'd like to become a part of that, you can simply do that by going to that website address again. The easiest way even to get to our YouTube, our podcast, And to our our RSS feed would be to simply go to our website at Lenhouse.com and there's a direct link from there. And once you get to YouTube, you can subscribe or any of our iTunes. It's free to subscribe uh, to the channel. It doesn't cost you anything. And uh, if you'd like to, then you can can sow a seed if you'd like to because it does take a great deal of uh, finances to be able to do this. Your encouraging words have really kept us... On the air, or sometimes we wonder if we are doing the right thing with television uh, because I think we're reaching as many people through YouTube as we are anything. But it, anyway, it takes your generous gift to help us to do that. And uh, you can give several different ways by going to our website. There's an easy link there to give via credit card, debit card. You can write check or money order, send it to the address that will be on the screen several times there will also be a text to give number that comes up and you can text to give. makes it very, very easy and simple for you to do that. And we appreciate everything you do to help us with the Gospel. We've been teaching from the Gospel of John, and once again I'm not going to take a lot of time to review. I have to do some review because each one of these won't stand alone. You need to listen to the consecutive series. We've done two already on Nicodemus chapter 3 of the book of John. And we are going to do probably this one and at least one more, perhaps. And uh, what I want you to see is that uh, John wrote this book. And he writes in the latter part of John chapter 20, I believe it is. He said, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you would have life through His name. You know, I am such a stickler. I believe that faith is such a part of our New Covenant heritage that it's grace and faith. It's not either or. It's both of them held in a careful tension. It is the way of grace and the walk of faith. An overemphasise of either one of them will get you in a ditch on either side. Grace without faith will leave you as a spiritual couch potato feeling like, well, I don't need to do anything, which you don't to earn, of course, your salvation or any of that. But if you overemphasize faith, then you're going to have works and labor, and did you say it right? Have you got the right formulas? And it leads down another place of condemnation, but it's not either or. It is the way of grace and the walk of faith, both of them held in a careful tension. The scripture very, very strongly teaches both, and especially the Gospel of John. He is saying this, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And I hope that you're listening as we've done this series that you become a stronger believer than you ever have. And what we begin to unpack in the book of John especially is that these things that he did, whether they are hand-picked miracles, uh, whether they are uh, the events that occurred, the sayings that he had, all of them were pointing to something. When I first started looking at this, the first thing that was open to me was the seven times he said, "I am." But the more I looked at these things, the more I saw. Whoa! This book is way more powerful than I thought. And to a first-century audience of Jews, they would have understood a whole lot more than we do through our 21st-century paradigm. For instance, he would say things like, "He would say things like when he brought them out of uh, the city into the wilderness." right immediately after the Passover. We brought them out of the city uh, after the Passover. They're in a wilderness. And He causes the multitude to sit down and He feeds them with bread. Now in the mind of a first century Jew this is a repeat of the book of Exodus when Moses brought them out of Egypt right after the feast of Passover and they were in a wilderness and in the wilderness God gave them manna or bread to eat. Jesus is the true Lamb of God and He brings them out of the city right after the Feast of Passover, sets them down in the desert and says to them, when they say, show us, give, give us a sign. And Jesus looks at them and says, your fathers ate man in the wilderness and they're dead, but I'm the true bread that came down from Heaven. I think He probably looked at them and went, duh, do you not get what I just did? I showed you something you would have understood in your cultural back understand, backdrop understanding that you remember the bread, but I'm telling you, that's not the bread, I'm the true bread. So he's showing them we're moving from natural to spiritual, and I've built that almost every time I've shared this, but I need you to get it. When he stood in front of the temple, they said to him, Uh, He said to them, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it back up again. They thought He was talking about the natural temple, and He was not talking about the natural temple, He was talking about the temple of His body, the spiritual temple. In other words, He's shifting them from a natural paradigm to a spiritual paradigm. John 1, He starts talking about a natural creation, and Jesus begins to reveal the new creation. John chapter 3, that's where we're going to go because I'm not going to take a long time to go back and reiterate why I'm interpreting like this because you've got to go back and listen to the rest of these videos. But when he comes to Nicodemus, he says you must be born again. What he's saying to him is, Nick, you think your natural birth is enough, but I'm telling you your natural ethnic background is not enough. You must be born again. Now let me read this because I want to get into some things that I think are very powerful eschatological things that I think need to be put into this equation. What Nicodemus might have thought as a first century Jew, he said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. In other words, he's telling you, listen, you're thinking about natural fleshly things, and what's born of flesh, that's flesh. But what's born of spirit is spirit. But you cannot be born, you cannot enter the kingdom except a man is born of the water and of the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he's saying your ethnic background is not enough. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. This word wind here is the Hebrew or the Greek word pneuma and literally should be translated the spirit bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. The word spirit here is the same Greek word as used in verse uh, 8 in the first, the word wind and the word spirit are the same Greek word. It could be translated the wind bloweth where it listeth and so is everyone that is born of the wind. But I think it's more correct to translate it, like the Spirit blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. So Nick is thinking about, he's thinking about what it means to be born of the Spirit. And he's probably thinking in terms of some old covenant scriptures that he, because Jesus, let me me go and read here. Nicodemus answered, to him, how can these things be? And Jesus said unto him, Are you a master of Israel? In other words, are you you the master teacher of Israel? And you you don't know these things? Verily I say unto you, if I speak to you, if if we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and you have, and you receive not our witness, if I told you earthly things and you believe, now how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So he's trying to shift Nicodemus again to follow the same uh, the same view or, uh, of interpretation that I'm showing you here. He's trying to get him to get some kind of a spiritual understanding of stuff as a master teacher in Israel he would have been familiar with. Now let me just tell you, because again, I went last time and I talked about being born of the Spirit and being born of the wind, and we talked about out of Ecclesiastes 11, I believe it is verse 5, he said, who knoweth how that the Spirit entereth into the bones in the womb of a woman and causes that baby to come alive. That's how the Spirit works, and you don't know how that did, but what happens is is that something comes in that experience of being born again. Now what he's telling Nick here again is your natural genealogy is not enough. Just like he's telling them when he stands at the beautiful buildings of the temple and said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it again. They're thinking natural, fleshly, he's talking spiritual. Now what I did was I took you back to Ezekiel and I'm going to do that again uh, today because I want to try to get Ezekiel 36 and 37 over the next two uh, segments at very least and 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 dig into these things because it starts out in Ezekiel chapter number 36. It, start, it starts dealing with, in the middle of it, it starts dealing with a woman. Let me, let me see if I can get it to come up here. He starts, okay, and here it is, it says, "For I, I will take you from among the heathen. This is Ezekiel 36. I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Now remember, Jesus is telling him that there's some water that's got to be involved. That there's got to be some purification that comes as a result of being born again, and when he's talking, I'm going to sprinkle you with clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. While I cleanse you, and then he quotes, he says the scripture that's used several times in the New Testament. He says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit. Now, see, Nick would, as a master teacher, he would have known these scriptures. Jesus is speaking about a new heart will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away your stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I also will save you from all your uncleanness and will call for the corn, and will increase it, and lay no famine upon you. Now let me tell you what he also does in the verse, above this in verse 17, he says, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. And you know, as I begin again to go through all of these different miracles that Jesus did, I started thinking immediately, as I have showed you over and over, week by week, that every miracle that Jesus does is in fact a miracle. But in the mind of a first century Jew, it should have triggered them to think, wait a minute, this might be a picture of something that's being fulfilled from prophecy. And the point in, 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 in the case in point that I want to talk about here is Jesus comes to a is- woman with an issue of blood in the Gospel of John. I believe it is somewhere around chapter 8, I could be wrong about the exact location, but you know the story. Jesus comes to a woman who has an issue of blood and she has been bleeding for 12 years. Now last week I, I confused this a little bit with, uh, at the first and then I apologize because I realized what I was that made it a little bit of a mistake there. I had compared this with the woman bowed to the earth for 18 years, totally different story. But this woman with an issue of blood had been bleeding for 12 years. And she was not getting better, she was getting worse, because she was going to physicians who could not make her any better, they were making her worse. And she was on, Jesus was on his way to the house of Jairus, who was also a ruler of the synagogue, to heal his daughter, who was also 12 years of age, who lay a-dying, and now Jairus finally has the attention of the only man on the planet who can heal his daughter and cause, listen, resurrection life to come to pass. He has Jesus' attention, but before Jesus can get to this little girl who's dying, he has to deal with this woman with an issue of blood. Now I preach this a lot of ways, and there's a lot of ways to preach it, but I'm showing the prophetic overtone to this what if this woman with an issue of blood is this woman of ezekiel 38 it's the house of israel who is bleeding see the number 12 speaking of government number 12 is the number of governmental perfection or divine government and what jesus is about to do is shift from the government of law to the government of Holy Spirit. From the government, when you repent, the kingdom is in hand. When you change your mind, Greek word is metanoia, and you shift from uh, what used to govern you under the old covenant was law. In the new covenant, what governs us is the Holy Spirit. He's talking about a change of government where this is not going to be governed from an external code of rules and laws, but you're going to be governed by an internal spirit. I'm going to put my spirit within you, and you will live. That's what he promised him in Ezekiel 37. I'm going to put, I will take away your stony heart, and I'll put my spirit within you. That's a new covenant promise, is the internal indwelling Holy Spirit. It's a change of government from an external code to a new covenant righteousness. This woman was bleeding to death, not over Uh, She was not bleeding from her nose. She was bleeding at the point of intimate relationship, if you will, just to be a nice way to say it. But what I begin to see is the issue that this woman has is she has an issue of righteousness. Because Isaiah the prophet says concerning Israel, your righteousness is like filthy rags. It's like a menstruous cloth. Say it another way. It's like a woman during the time of her uncleanness. It is proof that she's never uh, had intimacy with a man to conceive, to bring about a birthing, which is, I believe, talking about the new birth. What she's simply saying is your issue is an issue, and as long as your righteousness is based on the law, life is running out of you. These things are written that you might believe, that believing you might have life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. It's to stop the bleeding, I'm preaching a message that should help you stop bleeding to death. And what has happened is is that uh, the the issue of righteousness was the issue that this woman was bleeding to death over, and Jesus is trying to get to the next generation, a 12-year-old girl who needs some meat and needs some resurrection power. In other words, He wants to bring about this resurrection power that's going to come through the new birth. We'll see that even with Ezekiel chapter 37, I will breathe on them, they'll stand on their feet, and there will be a resurrection like none other before. Because God was about to breathe a new thing into them. He was about to put their spirit within them. But what I want you to see is this woman was not getting better. She spent all she had on physicians. Now these physicians were not doctors just like we're used to, medical doctors. These are doctors of the law. They've got all kinds of formulas. They've got all kinds of stuff you've got to go through, all kinds of hoops you've got to jump through. But this woman was not getting better, she was getting worse. And see, that was the case when Jesus came on the scene, but the great physician was now here to do what he promised in Ezekiel chapter 36 And that is that I'm going to cleanse you from your filthiness and I'm going to wash you with pure water. And when this woman comes to Jesus, she said, if I could just touch Him, if I could just touch the hem of His garment, I know that I would be made whole. Because I'm going to tell you the restoration that God wants to bring is not to a physical piece of real estate in the Middle East. And I would say to this to you in fairness, I believe that historically the backdrop of this that much of these prophecies came to pass. See, this happened, these prophecies were stuff given during the Babylonian overthrow of Israel, but when Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther and them came back into their promised land again and restored their temple and their land, God did restore that promise physically, but there was speaking of something greater than that, and that's the new covenant reality. There's no other way you can see Ezekiel 36 when he talks about I'll give you a new heart, I'll take away your stony heart, I'll put a heart of flesh inside of you, I'll put my spirit within you. That's new covenant realities. This woman with an issue of blood, she was not getting better, she was getting worse. And she was like literally uh, the, the formulas of religion had done nothing but keep her bound, but she said if I could simply touch the hem of his garment, I know I could be made whole. And when she pressed through the crowd, she touched Jesus and he said virtue was gone out of me. I think that's the word I believe that deals with grace. When she touched him, an incredible exchange took place. And what this woman did was she broke literally an old covenant law because it was illegal for a woman who was bleeding to touch a man because if she touched him while she was in the time of her uncleanness she would become unclean, or he would become unclean by reason of her uncleanness. But you see in the New Testament and in the New Covenant it reverses that role. Because what happened in the New Testament is that when this woman who was unclean touched him who was clean, an incredible change exchange took place and now this time he who was clean did not become unclean, but she who was clean became clean. And I could say it like this, an incredible exchange took place, and we could say it like this. He that knew no sin was made to be sin, so that I could be made the righteousness of God. In other words, he took her iniquity, he took all of our sin, he took all of our unrighteousness, he took all of our filthiness, and he gave us his righteousness. And when He did that, there was a cleansing that took place that I believe so powerfully pictures, even that miracle powerfully pictures what took place here in Ezekiel 36 with the issue of blood. And then Jesus finally, after this woman has been healed, let me tell you something else. Let me say this before I get, I'm just going to take my time and get these things out. I believe that many of us, I think the church today is still in a condition where we're still fighting over this issue of righteousness, and it's an issue of blood, and as a result the church is bleeding to death with prescriptions that are coming from doctors of the law and from legalism, because the law does not produce life, it produces death. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 says, it it is what gives sin power and death a sting. Paul said when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. It's producing death in people. But I believe the church is at a place where she's bleeding. She's been bleeding, but Jesus is trying to get to the, the little girl that's 12 years old. In other words, our children are at stake, folks. I, I preach this gospel like I do. I'm 62 years old, and I could care less about being any more popular what I care about is leaving a generation to come and access to the grace of God that they will never know the whips and chains of an Egyptian slavery bondage religion that took our life rather than give us our life, that the formulas that did not even work for us we keep on trying to perpetuate. Because I see this woman with this issue of blood even as history has gone on, as a church that keeps on bleeding over Old Covenant Realities When Jesus is trying to get to the next generation, Jairus' daughter, our young people, our children, and our grandchildren, so people say, well, they're dead. They say, this generation is dead. It's far gone. I tell you, just like Jesus did, they are not dead. They are asleep. But I'm going to tell you, He's come to awaken them out of their sleep. And sometimes what you've got to do is what Jesus did when He went down to the house of Jairus. They laughed Him to scorn when He said, she is not dead. She's asleep. And, 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 And they laughed him to scorn, and Jesus put some of them out. Now I think sometimes you've got to put some unbelieving folk out in order to be able to move on and touch the next generation. I would say this to you, how much is the next generation worth to you? How much are your grandchildren's future worth to you? How much are the future of your children. We have disenfranchised and lost our young people because we cannot seem to make a transition from an old covenant to a new covenant, and we cannot seem to get a hold of these concepts. And I'm trying to teach you that we are moving from a natural to a spiritual kingdom, from an old covenant external rules on rocks to an internal governing Holy Spirit where He puts His Spirit inside of you and breathes on you. That would have been what Nicodemus would have thought. The Spirit's like the wind. You don't know where it came from or where it goes. But what happens is, is the spirit breathes and you must be born of spirit. And when Jesus breathed on his disciples, he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. That was their, that was, I believe, their born again experience. The moment you receive him and you receive his indwelling spirit, it begins to change you. And when Jesus had met with this woman, after he healed her, And she touched the hem of his garment. Virtue went out of him. Favor. An an incredible exchange took place. Then he comes to this little girl. He puts them out. Gets rid of all the unbelief. Because he says to them, only believe. Because the new covenant only requires that you believe. And when he puts them out, he raises the girl. He says, young damsel, arise. And when He raises her from the dead, and she's raised up, and the Spirit of life comes back into her, He says, now go get her some meat. Don't go get her milk, get her some meat. Because milk is defined in the book of Hebrews as those who need milk are the ones who are unskillful in the word of righteousness. So by the time He would established His righteousness is our righteousness, she doesn't need milk, she needs some meat. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it's righteousness, peace and joy located in the Holy Ghost. And the government of heaven had begun to operate. Twelve, the woman was bleeding for twelve years, and this little girl was twelve years old, and Jesus healed her. He restored the kingdom in type and shadow. And that's what he's saying to Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom, you must be born again. Now we're out of time again. I'm I'm amazed at how fast this goes by. I want to I want to get to Ezekiel 37 before I finish this, this series, and so uh, tune in again next week at the same time. If you would like to give a, an offering to this ministry to help us keep this kind of a message, the depth that we're teaching going around the world, simply go to the website. The link is there. You can give. There's a place where you can give. We a credit card. MasterCard, you can set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a monthly partner. You can also call the number on the screen, or you can give through text to give. You can also write a check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen and send that to us, and it will come to us in the mail. Please tell your friends about us and watch us. If you like what you heard, go back, watch our YouTube stuff. It's archived there for your convenience, and we appreciate you doing that. God bless you. Thank you for joining us again this week. God bless you. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.